This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's up, Well That's Good fam? Welcome back to the Well That's Good podcast, y'all. Today we have another special guest who has been on the podcast before, but don't worry, I have heard that he has another piece of advice for us. We have Levi Lesko, and we're going to be talking about his new book. I have it right here, The Last Supper on the Moon. First of all, how cool is this cover and even just this whole massive book? But Levi, I'm so excited to have you on and can't wait to talk about it. Sadie, thanks for having me back. You're the best. Yeah. Okay. So I hear you have another piece of advice for us. So give us our whoa, that's good moment of the podcast. Absolutely. So I would say that someone early on in my uh, walk with Jesus told me no matter where else you're reading in the Bible, mix in the Psalms and Proverbs because mm, the Psalms, good. you'll have that heart of worship and the Proverbs, of course, wisdom and who doesn't need more wisdom. So no matter, if right. you're in James, if you're in Matthew, throw in a little Psalms and Proverbs. Okay, whoa, that's good. And also, whoa, that is exactly what you did with this book. You mixed in so much of the Psalms, and it was so cool, Um, which actually we'll just go straight into it from this point because I was going to ask you about this one Psalm that you talked about from David. And um, you talk about how when you look at the moon, you have this this crazy experience. I actually wrote down the words that you said. You said, I feel the pull of the moon. It speaks to me. It calls to me. It dares me to dream. It invites me to live fully. When I look at the sky at the night and see the moonlight wonder, the explosion of the stars, I ask God, how is it that you even notice me? And you go on to talk about just how David had that same thought of like, who am, who is man that you would even be mindful of us? And so, gosh, even just your description of that was so beautiful and so gripping, and it made me look up. It made me want to feel that. And so talk to me about just when it started, if you even remember, when you just became fascinated by the moon and reading the Bible in that same context of seeing that these same people look at the moon just as yeah. you do in your everyday life. Well, you know, there was a time, Sadie, when people thought that the moon made you sick. And if you've ever wow. heard the word lunatic, we say someone's a lunatic. That literally means lunar sickness. And it no was way. believed the moon could make you crazy, that being bathed in moonlight would mess you up. Now, of course, we know that's, that's not true. Uh, even though ER uh, nurses do say that there's a higher rate of weird incidents and accidents on nights that are full moon, which, you know, whether that is the tide or being pulled on with gravity is, is part of, or it could just be like a placebo type of a thing, or maybe on full moon nights, people can see better to do stupid things, I guess. <laughs> um, but the moon has always been there and our yeah. whole lives. We kind of just take it for granted that it's going to be there, but there is so much power in it. And like you referenced in the Bible, God specifically has attached his faithfulness to the constant of the moon that we mm. can know the North Star is going to be there. We can know the moon's going to show up. We can know when it's going to be waxing, crescent, new moon, full moon, no moon, right? We, we, we can set our watch to it. Uh, and, but, but because of that, it's dangerous that we can kind of take it for granted. 
Hmm. It's always going to be there. But uh, I think what we're supposed to do is when we look up and see it, be reminded of who God is, how powerful he is. And like David did, just be blown away. Like to say literally, whoa, right. that's good. Like that is um, impressive. That, that's, and, and I think it's settling and calming. And to your specific question, um, I don't know exactly when for the first time I realized that, but I know that when someone told me that there had been a communion service that had happened on the moon, hmm. that stopped me dead in my tracks. Wow. And it was in 2019 and a friend said, you know, the first thing that was ever eaten on the moon was communion. And I mm -hmm. said, no, there's no way that's true. But I got, I Googled it as fast as I could, Sadie. And I was <laughs> like, it's true. Buzz wow. Aldrin brought bread and wine with him on Apollo 11 and sat there in his lunar capsule, the Eagle, and ate the bread, drank the wine, and then read John 15, five, which Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, that beautiful verse. Wow. And Sadie, it exploded in my, my heart. And uh, like many people in 2020, I was having my own mental health issues, just dealing with the craziness of the world, life changing so much. And I started for the first time in my life having these weird panic attacks at bedtime where mm -hmm. I would just get really overwhelmed. And one of the things I talked to my doctor, talked to pastors, prayed with my wife, was vulnerable. But one of the things that really helped me was I would go out onto our back deck and look at the moon. Wow. And the thought occurred to me, that's the same moon Abraham looked at, the same moon Esther looked at. And then it hit me really hard. That's the same moon that Jesus looked at when he was on wow. the earth. For whatever reason, that just really comforted me. So wow. my hope and prayer was, is that this book would be for people who read it and experience it, that they would never see the moon the same way again. Yeah, man, it's so powerful. I, I th thought about this time in my life. This is just kind of one of those funny things that you think about. You know how you'll sometimes remember thoughts that you had when you were a kid and they're just funny thoughts. And I remember whenever I was little, for some reason, and I know this makes zero sense, but when I was really little, I would look up at the moon and I thought that that was the earth because it looks like the earth. And I just thought somehow we're standing on the earth, but we also can see the earth and the sky. And that's just how your mind as a kid works. It all makes sense, even though it makes no sense. And so this was just a funny thought. Well, then fast forward years later in my life and I was like 17, 18, maybe. And um, I was just not living a great life. Like, honestly, I was just living kind of a double life and a lot of different things. I was in a relationship with a group of people that um, was pretty toxic that I wasn't really honest about with um, my family or my close people. And it was just not a good time. And I remember just the exhaustion of living this double life um, had me honestly depressed. And I was driving home one night and I've never had like suicidal thoughts like that, but I, I just remember feeling like this kind of want to just, for it to just end. I was like, I almost just kind of hope I get in a wreck tonight and it just ends. And I know that's like a horrible, dark thing. That's just honestly where I was at. And as I'm having these thoughts and I'm crying, I can hardly even see the road. I looked up at the moon and the silliest thing, I just happened to remember the thought I used to have when I was a kid. And I, I don't know why I thought that it just kind of threw me off enough to think, God, what was that, you know? And I'm looking up at the moon and I feel God just speak to my heart, not audibly, but enough to where you could not hear it in my car by myself. And it was just, the world is so much bigger 
than this one moment, Sadie. Your life is so much bigger than this one moment. And he was like, look up at the moon. It's bigger than you think. And I think that that was kind of like the idea of used to, I thought the moon was the earth and it looked really small. But really, it's actually really big. And my life was a lot bigger than that moment. And I just remember having this moment with myself thinking, if I end it now, then so many people in life, and I wasn't even talking about famous, I was just talking about like life in general, like friends, family members, are going to live a different life because of a decision that I were, I were to make or this night that I was having. And I just remember the moon humbling me to such a place that it put life into perspective for me. It made me realize that my uh, feelings were driving something that the truth wasn't in my life. And um, it honestly changed things. I had no one else in the car with me, no mentor, no friend, no mom. I literally had me and the moon. And so when I read that, I was like, wow, like, I honestly feel the exact same way. And it's not, I'm not a space person, but now I am because of your book. I've never been super into that, but I have always been really drawn to the moon. And it has humbled me and taught me and um, put life into perspective for me. And so I just think it's so cool that you're writing about this. And I want to hear more about why um i love that you just shared that part about hearing about communion and that was a beautiful way to even start the book but when was it that you thought okay i'm gonna tackle this huge project and write this book that is honestly so different than your other books and really any other book that's out there Y'all, I love summertime. It is my favorite season and I'm so excited to jump back in. We are approaching the best time of the year. But no matter what your summer looks like, KiwiCo invites kids and kids at heart to enjoy their first summer adventure series. Kids can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks, no matter what their age is, with enriching activities that accompany each project. KiwiCo has something for everyone with different topics for each age from space to dinosaurs and so much more. I am so excited about the summer series. We actually are getting this little driver that I know Haven is going to love because it's a little steering wheel and she loves anything active and also a little like neighborhood fun one where they have a water paint thing, which is so good because it's not going to make a mess and Honey is so into painting right now. And painting with a three-year-old, yeah, that's just hard. So I'm excited for the no mess. KiwiCo offers kids a chance to get outside and explore screen-free with projects like the Bottle Rocket Kit from the Summer Adventure Series. They can turn the outdoors into a playground of learning and fun. Every Summer Adventure Series with KiwiCo is a personalized experience that includes real engineering, science, and art projects. And you'll be impressed with how high quality all the materials are. Everything we've gotten from KiwiCo has been absolutely amazing and such high quality. I know sometimes it can be hard to find creative, engaging ways to keep your kids away from the screens and just having fun, but KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can focus on spending fun and quality time tackling projects together. The KiwiCo Summer Adventure Series is personalized to your family and can be received all at once or weekly for six weeks, depending on your schedule. If you like it all at once, that's great, or space it out a little bit. Build the best summer ever with KiwiCo. Get 20% off your your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash Sadie Rob summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico, K-I-W-I-C-O.com slash Sadie Rob summer.
Spring is a great time to start something new, right? So whether it's cleaning or a new hobby or a new audiobook, a good story is always a great way to start a new journey and Audible has all that you need. I come from a family of great storytellers, so I know Audible is the home of storytelling, which is where I want to be. Audible lets you enjoy all your favorite audio entertainment together in one app. There's always something new to discover or you can rediscover some of your old favorites. Audible has an incredible selection of audiobooks from every genre like bestseller, new releases, memoirs, mysteries, and thrillers, business, and more. It is the destination for mind-blowing entertainment with selections of mystery and thrillers that will keep your heart racing. And with next listen recommendations, there's always something irresistible at your fingertips. Plus, members get full access to a huge and growing selection of included audiobooks and audible originals and even podcasts like, well, that's good. So you can download them or stream them anytime, anywhere. Audible members can also pick one title each month to keep from the entire catalog, which is some serious benefits, y'all. The newly included selection of titles makes your Audible membership even more valuable and gives you the chance to discover your next favorite thing. With thousands of titles available, you're definitely going to find something that you love all in one convenient app. So I know some of you are into, you know, thrillers, crime, mystery. And I got to be honest, that's not really been my thing. So I told Bella, okay, Bella, tell me what I could like listen to that wouldn't scare me, but I would like be into it. And she told me about this title called The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. And so I started it and John Luke loved it too. And so I'm just not on the cusp of it. And y'all, let me tell you, it is very entertaining. You do want to listen to see what happened next. So if y'all are into that, Audible is a great place to find those too. New members can try Audible now for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash Woe or just text Woe to 500-500. That's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash Woe or text Woe to 500-500 to try Audible for free for 30 days. Yeah, you know, it was. it's funny. Um, it's like I see pictures, you know, I, the picture of, of, of Buzz sitting there with blood and mm. or wine representing blood and bread representing Jesus' body. And just the, the monumental statement that makes of the beginning, that's the beginning of lunar, you know, like there's right now preparation to go back, but that's the beginning. That was the ultimate, that's Neil Armstrong's small step. And the mm-hmm. small step started with this, 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 um, this communion service, which is so important that Jesus did it before he went to the cross. And he told us as his followers, do this often in remembrance of me. You know, communion is so important and it mm. speaks to how we could be right with God and how we could be whole. And, and I think sometimes we miss out on, on how important the cross is. You know, it's not just our ticket to heaven. It's the Bible says, Colossians puts it this way, it's the beginning of the reconciliation of all things unto, unto themselves. Mm. Every part of the cosmos, all of, of the heavens and the earth, every, every part of creation will be reconciled to how it was supposed to be. This is Eden regained. And that just that doesn't just apply to the Grand Canyon and to the Great Barrier Reef and you know the Milky Way, but say to you and me and Christian and Jenny and Honey and Clover, like all of our. I just by the way made a connection that you have a daughter named Honey and I have a daughter named Clover and there's also Clover Honey, so that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's awesome. They definitely need to be They're in the same room at the to same be, time. Be friends. They're destined for best friends. Yes. Yeah. So, but th- th- we're going to be reconciled to God. And the cross yeah. is the agent of that change. Yeah. The work has already begun at the resurrection of Jesus. That work began. It was the first domino tipping over. And when Jesus comes again, the last domino tips over. But in between, 
God is subduing and, and, and bringing us back to him, conforming us to the image of his son. Mm-hmm. So the cross is, is everything. It's not the ABC of Christianity. It's the A to Z of Christianity. Wow. And I think sometimes we think, well, that's good that the cross got me started. The cross began. No, it's like through the cross is all of us. We live and move and have our being in him. So that, that, the thought and the reason I think this book was so important for me personally was outer space is an analogy that gives me the permission to talk about inner space. Right. Because there are parts of my heart and soul that are dark and mysterious and intimidating. And so I think there's a, a good analogy in the cross as the thing that bridges the gap from where we are to where we're meant to be and where we ultimately will be. And the big rocket that it took and the mm-hmm. a massive amount of people working on it that it took to get us to the moon. So I'm trying to use these, I'm trying to utilize space as a metaphor so that we can have a frame of reference to actually talk about the cross in a way that hopefully helps us all with our inner battles. Yeah, man, you do such a good job at it, honestly, because it's like, this big idea of space, but then you make these like super practical statements. Like I love this one point that you were making and there's a bigger point to this and you tell a story and I want you to talk about it, but just the statement, you got to crawl before you can fly. And I just love that. Like that's a, well, that's a good piece of advice for me. Like that's something that will stick with me. You got to crawl before you can fly, but you're taking these great analogies and putting them to play. So tell us a little bit about the lesson behind that. Yeah. The, I mean, the most powerful rocket that's ever been launched is the Saturn V rocket. And if you get on YouTube and look at Apollo 11 takeoff, you'll see this huge black and white rocket. It's very famous. You've seen the footage a million times. It's 360 feet tall. It has 180 million horsepower. When it takes off, it generates enough electricity that could run New York City for an hour. It's crazy, okay? Big old rocket. Um, But, how does it get to the launch pad? Because they build it in the vehicle assembly building in Cape Canaveral, Florida at the Kennedy Space Center. And it's huge building. They build it there and it has these big doors that open and it has to come out and travel to the launch pad, uh, pad 39A. And to get there, it crawls. They built a vehicle called the crawler and wow. they assemble the rocket on this crawler. It's a huge tank the size of a baseball field and it sits vertically on it and it crawls like a mile, uh, I think it's um, uh, a mile an hour or something so slow, it's just barely moving. But funnily enough, the driver still wears a seatbelt going that slowly, because obviously they don't want it to tip over, so they go so slow. Wow. Um, and I just thought, wow, how funny, this thing eventually travels you know, 17,000 miles per second or something ridiculous, but it starts uh, by crawling. And that's just a great parallel because we all want to fly yep. or, or 17,000 miles per hour. We all want to fly, but you have to start by crawling. So today's the day to take that baby step, to take that first step towards sharing your faith or getting into a small group or whatever it is, the transformation you want, it starts smaller than you think. That's great, man. It's so good. You have so many moments like that in the book. There's a part of the book where you actually say, hey, look, if you're not going to make it through this whole book because it's really big, then read this chapter and this chapter and this chapter and this chapter. And you say it really confidently because you're like, I know that it's so good. You're, you're going to want to read the whole thing. And I have to attest to that because, you know, you, I am not much of a 
I used to not be much of a reader. I've become a really, I love reading. But sometimes big books intimidate me. I think they intimidate most people. Um, but I didn't want to skip any chapters because there's no sleepy chapter. Like, there's no sleepy sentence. Like, everything is a parallel, an analogy, the outer space, you know, to the inner space. Like, you don't want to miss the next moment. And I just think that's so cool. And I think it's so fascinating just how much you know. I remember whenever we were at the Passion um, meeting, like the pre-passion moment when we were all at the beach and we we're talking about passion and praying and um, Louis referenced you as like the human encyclopedia or something like you you know all these things and it was really funny because I I know you but not well enough to know that you know all of these facts and then whenever I heard your passion message I was like man, like, he really is, like, he knows, like, history so well, and then I'm reading this book, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and so uh, just a little bit of backstory on your life, like, have you always been that person that's just loved history, loved facts, um, and I love how you even included in the book some of your little tics, just tell us a little backstory about who you are, because I feel like people are listening, it's like, how does this guy know all this stuff? Well, that's hilarious. Well, I, you know, if you talk to my high school history teacher, they probably would never have thought I would end <laughs> up writing a book about history or speaking or being known for being a human encyclopedia because I did not apply myself in school at all. It's really become, it's, it's been afterwards, you know, it's been just a, a fire got ignited in me about, you know, um, what are, where did it begin? You know, I, I guess um, I read a book called uh, The Right Stuff which is now Disney plus made a, a series of episodes for kids. You could watch it, It's no all about sp space travel. And I read that, um, and that, cause I wanted to do a series on the Holy spirit. That's what it was. Hmm. And when I read that, um, book, because the Holy spirit is kind of like a rocket, you know, that was where the analogy first started. The seed was planted. Um, and so I read that and, you know, just kind of like one thing led to another. Like I, re I, I read that and I didn't, I think for me, the thing was Sadie and I'm, I know I'm rambling here, I couldn't be assigned a book by a teacher. I had to want to read it for myself. That's And so I mean. guess there's different yes. learning styles, but for some reason, the idea of busy work or I have to do this, kind of, I chafe at that. Yep. So I, I guess maybe to every parent or teacher out there, you figure out what makes a kid tick and maybe reverse psychology, tell them they don't have to read it. You know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's literally so me because I, I almost said, I don't like to read. Then I'm like, what am I talking about? I read all the time. But when I was in school, I really didn't like to read because I really struggled to read the books that, you know, they chose. And also I um, didn't know this at the time that I was dyslexic I found that out later in life and so then I was like oh that's why I learn differently just like why now I love to because I'm listening to the book on audio so it's not such a hard thing for me to read I actually because I love learning like I want to learn and the book on audio is so cool because you included some of the real live like um, moments in history where the actual people are speaking and it's like oh man it's just so fun to listen to and so that is a really good point that you know if you're in high school or in college right now and nothing's really clicking for you you're not like loving something don't worry I feel like once you get passionate about the what you're gonna do in life um then you get really like excited about doing it you can't stop reading you can't stop learning and that's when life gets like really exciting I feel like um I want to ask you about just the meaning behind the word NASA because when I read that in the book I was like oh I bet you geeked out when you read that so tell us about the meaning behind NASA and the connection I think I, I fell made. out of my chair Sadie honestly <laughs> and Thank you for those kind words. Uh, I, I, I reiterate that back. I have such respect for you as a communicator. Um, the way 
you've taken a weakness, right? You're, you're, um, uh, being, um, dyslexic. What, dyslexic yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find the word. Um, and turn that into such a strength because I know yeah. that personally you've shared with me, it may, has made you want to memorize your messages more than sit yep. there and reading from notes. And, and what that has done is when I watch you preach, like when you preached a passion, you're not looking down at notes. You're looking right into the camera. You're speaking right to people. You're, you know, and there's such a, a warmth that come, has come from that. And I think if you weren't dyslexic, you might, when you preach, look down at notes more. So yep, it's almost like, true. and that's one of the things I'm trying to communicate in the book is that you can take the dark side of your moon and make it your superpower. It's awesome. You know, for me, weirdness, like with whatever way I'm weird, you know, I'm trying to help people see we're all weird. And you are yeah. such an example of becoming the moon you're born to be, even though you have what some people could say is a setback, you know? So, yeah, um, and we had so much fun in the audiobook, pulling in Jenny's voice. You know, she does all the conquer your inner space moments because every NASA mission ends with a debrief. So yeah. I wanted to end all these chapters with a debrief, a chance to go, what did we learn? What are we going to pray yeah. about? What are we going to apply? And Jenny did all those on the thing and she's got such a nice voice to listen to. Um, but the word NASA is in the Bible mm-hmm. and it's in, God telling Moses who he is, you know, when God, Moses has shown me your glory and God says, you know, um, I I can't, but I'll tell you who I am if you hide behind the rock. So God flies by and declares his name to Moses, the Lord, the Lord, you know, he talks about, uh, you know, by by no means uh, clearing the the guilty, but, but showing compassion and kindness to, to those who love him. That passage has the word NASA and it speaks about carrying away sin, lifting up or, or, or blasting off with sin and lifting it away. And I was like, oh my gosh, NASA means to lift away. And that's part of who God is. And so it's so just such cool. a cool connection to the cross. I, you know, every once in a while you come across a nugget in the Bible that you're like, I am so excited. No one's around me right now, but I want to tell somebody, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I know those moments. Like, and especially whenever you are a communicator or a speaker, you know, when you have those moments and I almost think now I hear it in other people's talks and they have those moments and, and you have to be so casual about when you share it. Right. But there's nothing casual about those moments whenever you come upon that. And so when I read that about NASA, I was like, oh, he was geeking out. I bet he literally fell out of his chair. So that's I think so cool. I, I think I tipped something over my office just like, oh, my gosh, no. You know, so. <laughs> it's so good. All right. So one theme in the book is you talk about the number seven and the significance of the number seven. So I want you to explain a little bit about the significance, but also the fact that Brooke Lidgertwood, who is incredible and was also the first guest on this season of the podcast, which is our seventh season to talk what? about seven. What? That was oh. totally not planned at all. I didn't even know it was our seventh season, the kickoff, until someone told me after we recorded, it was like, do you know this is the first episode of the seventh season? So she's on, she's talking about seven. And then I see you start talking about seven. And then I saw y'all did something together talking about the fact that y'all are both talking about seven. And I just want to take a moment and just you speak to the fact that the Holy Spirit still is speaking to the church and man I just think it's so cool I had a moment about two years ago where I was preparing a message and I heard a talk Kristen Kane did the week before I was going to speak it and it was 
almost exactly what I was sharing. It was these same passages. We pulled out the same scripture. It was crazy. And I was so worried she was going to think I copied her. So I texted her and I said, hey, I just want you to know this message was amazing that you just preached. I just so happened to be studying the same scripture and preaching on this next week. And I didn't want you to feel like I was taking your word or whatever. I've, I've honestly been preparing this for a few months. You're like, and I bugged your apartment, Christine. Sorry I know, about that. Yeah. Sorry, I've been stalking you. I, I've been sitting in behind the scenes at all your dinners. No, I was like, I'm, I promise you this was just random. And she said, her response was so cool. It was like, this is awesome. The Holy Spirit's speaking. And I was like, man, that's so cool. Because a lot of what I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm being trained, you know, as I go. I'm a lot younger than a lot of the people speaking and pastoring. And I'm, I'm just learning. And it was just so cool to see that her reaction wasn't like a jealous teenager that would be like, oh, you took my word. It was actually like a celebration of God speaking the same word and more affirmation to her message. And I feel like you and Brooke are having that moment right now. So speak to that a little bit because that is just so awesome. It's crazy. And when Brooke and I, well, actually I was, it was with Scott, when Scott first told me what Brooke had been working on, cause we were hanging out and, and I was like, Hey man, he like, he's like, what's God doing? I hadn't told anybody. This book was a big secret. I didn't tell my agent. I didn't tell my publisher. I wrote the whole thing without telling anybody. Cause it was kind of like, I don't know if people are going to understand or get it. So I'm just going to do it. And then we'll figure out afterwards. And fortunately everybody like on the publishing end was excited about it and all that. But I, we were sitting there in, in, in California and I said, yeah, I've been writing this book and I was so nervous to tell him. And he goes, what's it about? I go, well, the organizing metaphor is the number seven. And he, his face went white. Like he was like, are you kidding me? I go, yeah, well, there's, there's seven things Jesus said hanging on the cross. And I want to use those as step stones to unpack the significance of the cross and how like a rocket, it can get us to the moon, the place God wants us to be. All of that is kind of in this analogy. And so I use seven a lot. And I, I talk about how seven is in creation, seven days of the week. It's in nature. I mean, you find if you, if you pick up a ladybug, chances are it's going to have seven spots. If you roll two dice, the highest probability number of it being rolled is a seven. Uh, there's, there's seven visible colors in a rainbow. There's seven notes in the Western musical scale, seven books in the Harry Potter series, right? I, I, I could go I loved on. your, uh, the seven uh, digits in a phone number. I didn't never realize that either. That's true. Why are there seven digits yeah. in a phone number? It's because they found if we, if they went up to eight, people began forgetting better. Seven seems to be the best number, the biggest, best number we can remember all things wow. in a row. It's crazy. And... In the book of Isaiah, there are seven spirits that represent before God's throne who and how the Holy Spirit ministers. In wow. Revelation, there's seven trumpets, seven seals. Uh, it's all over the place when you start to notice it. And Jesus, uh, at seven different times, said, I am, and then said something. Yeah. One of them being the vine that Buzz Aldrin read about in John 15. Mm. So I, I use that all throughout the book, uh, a book about communion on the moon. Brooke has spent the last year at that point working on a whole album called Seven, inspired by Jesus's letters to the churches at Revelation, of which there are seven. And then <laughs> at, the, at the center of it all, she's talking about honey coming out of a rock and the moon is just this big rock, right? And then, and then she says, but I wrote this song about communion. I want the church. I go, they were telling me this Scott through Scott and I go, you're, you're focused on communion, seven and rock. That's literally all I've been doing. Wow. And so I just realized the Holy Spirit was speaking in stereo, you know, and that's yeah. like what you're describing with Christine. And it seems like that's what God does. 
Wow. Oh, that's so cool. And it's so cool because, like, I had a mentor say to me one time, if God repeats himself, you better be listening. And you see that in the Bible all the time. Um, You know, whenever there's, like, a word spoken twice before Jesus speaks, like, you know that's about to be something of significance that you really need to listen to. And it's the same thing in life. Like, if you start seeing God repeat himself, like, start listening to that because that's his voice and he's doing it through his people. And even like naming Honey, Honey, it was just so cool because Honey is um, kind of a random name, right? Um, But man, we just felt like God really gave us that name for her. It just felt very clear. Honestly, it didn't even seem like a weird name choice until people started saying that that was a weird name choice. Like it seemed so obvious to us that our daughter was gonna be named Honey. And it was really cool because when we announced that, or when we knew that, uh, Crowder had that album come out, Milk and Honey, and then Brooke came out with the song, Honey and the Rock, and then um, another artist messaged me who hasn't released her stuff yet, and for like a year or two, she's been working on a whole album around Honey, and it was just such confirmation that, man, like, God, there's something with this, so just his... I don't know, like there's a message in that. And honey is actually all throughout the Bible as well. And Proverbs 16 is where we got her name from, that um, kind words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And we feel like in a world where there's so much hatred spoken, so many rude words, negative words, divisive words, that maybe honey could be a woman who grows up to speak words that are sweet to the soul and that are healing to the bones. And that's almost like a prophetic word over her life. And so, man, I just, I think it's so cool. And when I saw that, I was like so excited with the seven theme and the rock and the honey. And Christian and I were watching y'all's conversation together, which I thought was so cool that y'all took the time to intentionally talk about that. Um, And I do talk about honey in the book. There's one part in this book where I talk about honey because the, the Bible says that when Joshua took the children of Israel in, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. honey. And yes. interestingly enough, this I heard on a podcast, milk and honey are two of the only things you can eat that nothing has to die for you to eat them. Wow. Okay, that's cool. If you eat grass, the grass dies, right? If you eat uh, wow. chicken, the chicken dies. But milk and honey, and so it's interesting that it's, God is trying to bring us back in Revelation to a new heaven and new earth where there will be no death, only milk and honey. Isn't that interesting? Wow, that's so cool. Wait, wow, mind blown. Well, that's a good moment. These are the moments when I'm interviewing someone. I wish I wasn't the interviewer because I need to be the person in my car just being like, what? That's so cool. But I guess I'll Crazy. just do it on the microphone with everyone. That's hey. so cool. Yeah, I was, man, the more you, this is why it's cool to search like history and science and all these things. Because the more you discover, the more it points to God and the more your mind is just blown. And it's like the littlest things in life that you might think have no significance actually are the things that God has put such purpose behind. And man, it's just something like eating honey and all of a sudden you're like blown away at the things that he wrote, things that he's doing. It's just awesome. Um, You have so many takeaways about the goodness of God in here. One thing that I wanted to talk about is the story that you talk about with the father and the ticket and the whole thing. I want you to share it. But I love this quote. You say, only through the reality of hell and the romance of the cross can God be both just and the justifier of those who believe. And so I want you to talk a little bit about God being both just and justifier, because I think this is something that um, gets really confusing to a lot of people. And this is the thing that trips people up. And I love how you just talk about it. And you gave such a beautiful example of that. So I want you to share that. 
Thank you, Sadie. Well, hell is a subject that none of us like love to talk about. I don't know anybody who's like, you know what? I love to talk and think about hell. I, yeah. I think it's in the Bible everywhere. And Jesus spoke about hell more often than he spoke about heaven. Yeah. So obviously Jesus believed in hell. And I mm. think a lot of us, especially today in a time when many people are looking at the Bible and trying to pick and choose what they're going to believe and what they, what, what, what doesn't maybe violate their sensibilities in, you know, um, in 2022. And we, we don't really know what to do with it, but here's what's really important to understand. Um, and I, I always add when I talk about hell that you shouldn't be able to talk about hell with almost, without almost tears forming in your eyes. Like if we can talk about hell without just being deeply brokenhearted by the idea of it, um, then we're not, we're not, we're not thinking about it. Cause we're thinking about people literally being in conscious eternal torment, which Jesus said is what happens to those who reject God's plan of salvation. Mm. Um, you know, uh, so that breaks our heart. But if there's no hell, the cross makes no sense. Mm. None at all. Because when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, saying, God, I don't want to go through this father. If there's any other way, like take this cup away from me, bleeding out of his sweat glands, you know, being crushed by the weight of sin, the thought of it. If, if there was no hell, why would the father not have said, you know what, just come on back. Like they're going to be fine only yeah. because of the idea of what is our, our fate without the cross. Does the cross actually make sense? It's not some loving, good idea. Like, oh yeah, I feel so good because of the cross. It gives me warm fuzzies. It's like, no, this is mm -hmm. what it took for us yeah. not to end up in hell. And um, the story I tell in the book that sort of snapped into place for me was something I read about in the news from Wyoming. A man got pulled over and the, the police officer came up to the window and the man said, I'm so sorry, I know I need, I know I, I, well, I, I know, I, but I can't afford this and my, I'm already you know, so behind in my bills and my kids. And the cop said, I'm sorry, you broke the law. And he came back and he handed him a ticket. And the man was just like devastated because now he thought on top of all my other bills, there's this mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And he was spiraling. But when the cop got in his car and drove away, the man opened up the ticket envelope and inside it was the ticket, but enough money to cover that ticket and then some. And mm -hmm. so the cop <laughs> faithfully did his job of giving the penalty. But at the same time, he also personally paid the penalty. So That's good. the gospel. Jesus in, in Jesus, and his action on the cross, God was paying, like laying the full justice of, of, his, of his wrath against sin, but right. that he also was taking the, 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 the hit himself. Yep. Oh, man, that is so good. When I read that, I was like, wow, like that is so true. That's it right there. It's fully, um, you know, giving you the penalty, but fully taking it away. It's just the most beautiful picture of that. Um, you know, I was thinking about this. You talk about a lot of stuff that's the hard stuff to talk about. I feel like you connect that in the inner space and the outer space and the whole idea of it. And whenever I started this podcast, one thing I never want to do is I never want to give anybody a gotcha question because I felt like being interviewed in the secular world, everyone wants to ask you the gotcha question, the question that is the most controversial or whatever. Um, and so in no way in asking this question do I want this to be the gotcha question. But I do think that this is a question I personally get asked about a lot. And when you wrote about it in the book, I thought, I think that's going to be my new answer. And so I wanted you to speak to it. And you talk about the idea of drunkenness and the difference between drinking to drink and drinking to get drunk. And I've never heard it said like how when Jesus was 
offered the myrrh, I guess it was, when he was being crucified, what that actually would have done for him and why he chose not to have it. And so can you speak to that? Because people ask me all the time, like, is it okay to drink if you're a Christian? Um, Should you not drink if you're a Christian? Where is the line and all the stuff? And I just thought you had an excellent answer for it. So um, for all the listeners who are asking that question, I'm going to hand that one to you because I would say the same thing. So good, Sadie. Um, uh, G.K. Chesterton once said, if you're going to drink, drink because you are joyful, not because you are miserable. So alcohol, if you look through the scripture, you find statements like wine was given to to gladden the heart of a man. So the idea being it's a part of this joyous, my son is home who is dead, prodigal son, the wine flows, the new heavens speak of wine flowing through the street, you know, and, and, and the best, um, the best honey anyone's ever had and all, all the rest. So there's a sense of joy in wine. But I think the problem is what we hope the wine can do for us. So yep. if, like Chesterton said, our, we have joy in the Lord and wine becomes a symbol of that because I'm joyful, then that's, that's, that's the biblical idea and understanding of wine. But when you look at someone miserable, hoping the wine will get them to that joy, it can never live up to that. It yep. will never be able to do that. So I like that as a rule of thumb. If you're thinking, man, it's been such a hard day, I need a drink to take the edge off, you're looking for wine to take you out of misery. It's, that's not his purpose. The purpose is you're joyful and the, and the wine's a symbol Great. of that joy, okay? So I like that as a general operating principle. But on the cross, Jesus could have basically had a narcotic substance flowing through his veins that would make him not feel the, the nails, not feel that. But he chose to feel everything. He didn't want to be drunk and intoxicated, which is the opposite, according to Ephesians, of being filled with the Spirit. Hmm. There's never one time in the Bible you will find where it said it's a sin to drink. Now it can be because anything not of faith is sin. So if by faith you've been called to abstain from drinking like a Samson or a John the Baptist or many others, then you have to by faith uh, obey your conscience and then it would become sin to drink. But being drunk is put in Ephesians as the exact opposite of being filled with the spirit. And how interesting that if you go to a, a grocery store that sells vodka or rum or, or whiskey, it's going to have literally the word spirits at the top of the shelf. Wow. So to get drunk is to come under the influence of that spirit where you're not in control anymore that you gave your control to the spirit. So how can you at the same time be under control of the Holy spirit who Mm. wants to use you, bless you. So you want to keep your wits about you. And the moment you're drunk or intoxicated, and we all know that's why it's not safe to drive a car intoxicated because you're not in control of your braking instincts, all of those things. So drinking is one thing. Being drunk is another thing. And Jesus on the cross was not going to be intoxicated because he wanted his wits about him in the most important mission he was under. And I would say to everyone listening, your life is a mission. I don't mean to turn into Tebow here, but it's it's a possible mission. (laughs) And how can you fulfill that mission if spirits are controlling you and not the Holy Spirit? Yeah, come on, preach that. That is so good. I mean, I just feel like so many things that you talk about are the things that we need to hear. And so for those who are listening, most of you are probably 18, 25, 30 years old, and you're asking these big questions in life. You're wondering these big questions. And I know that this book might look intimidating and might feel like, how is space going to teach me about these things like drunkenness or these things like you even talk about, I love, you had this quote about fear of missing out. 
out. You said the cure for the fear of missing out is eye contact with your Savior. If the most important person in the universe is in the room where you are, why would you be worrying about anywhere else? I'm like, that's so good. You're talking about fear of missing out. You're talking about um, drunkenness. You're talking about you got to crawl before you fly. And it's just so good. You really do do such a good job of teaching us about outer space while also helping us navigate our inner space. And so everyone out there listening right now, go get Last Supper on the Moon. Um, the audiobook's incredible as well. Highly recommend it. And Levi, just thank you for being a great example for so many of us to learn from, look up to, laugh with, all the things. You and Jenny lead an incredible ministry, and Christian and I are thankful to know you guys. So thanks again for being on the Whoa That's Go podcast. Say you're the best. Thanks for having me.